Well, would you welcome our, uh, our kids as they sing and lead us in worship today? Why don't you give them a hand?
good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here today and just so thankful for our children that are starting us off in a time of, of singing and worship. I have a few announcements for you, but first off, if you're a visitor, a guest here today, thank you so much for being here. If you don't mind just taking the card in the seat back pocket in front of you, filling that out, we'd love to know about your time here and we'd love to share with you more about what's going on in the life of Luke 418 Fellowship. Got a few announcements for you. Next week, next Sunday, on the 7th, we have the Voices of Mobile will be here. We're so excited. Usually they're here on Mother's Day, but we're going to have them a week early, a week before Mother's Day. So this will be your, uh, your gift to all uh, mothers and to everybody as the Voices of Mobile comes a week early. Now, here's the thing. This year, we're giving them the whole time. So they will be leading us the whole time. Look, there's a few claps. Hey, hey. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, And so we just want you to know that next week, Voices of Mobile will be here the whole time. We also have Kids Discovery Camp is going on. Registration is going on. You can sign up uh, online. You can sign up with Melanie. They've got flyers at the kids' desk. It's an opportunity for you to invite your neighbors, uh, co-workers, uh, their children, and also um, for you to bring your grandchildren, June 19th to the 23rd, 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., and it's $25. The baby bottle campaign for the Women's Resource Center is going on right now from Mother's Day to Father's Day. Love for you to be a part of that. You can get a bottle at the go table, and you can fill that up with coins, uh, with change throughout this time, and we take that to the Women's Resource Center to help out with their needs. Grand Monday night is coming up tomorrow, May 1st at 6.30 p.m. in the youth room. It's a wonderful time for grandparents to collaborate together, to share about what, uh, how they are pouring into their grandchildren so that others can get ideas, and it'll be a wonderful time just to support each other. And then I have one more announcement that I want to share with you. Many of you probably saw in the bulletin that comes out on Fridays that's emailed out. You probably saw in there that I was going to share a little bit about the land. Many of you know that we have voted and, and had a 100% vote to purchase the land next to us, 14 and a half acres. Super excited. Hopefully we'll be closing sometime around June. But just last week, y'all know that I flew out to San Antonio for a day. And while I was there, we spent time with architects. We spent time with uh, a church that has done kind of what the Lord has put on my heart with vision and direction. It was a wonderful time, very enlightening. The Lord showed us so much, taught us so much. And so what we are going to be doing in the days to come is I'm going to be meeting with an architectural team and also with some members of Luke 418 to take the vision and turn and create a master plan for the land. Now, the master plan doesn't mean we're going to say exactly this is going to be how this is going to look, but we're going to develop how we're going to use the land first for ministry purposes and also for community, as we've mentioned. So there's three things that I ask that we can all do as the body of Christ in these days. Number one, we can pray. We can ask the Lord to give clarity and guidance and direction as we're seeking the Lord to to take the vision that he's put on my heart and begin to put that into a master plan. And two, you can share your ideas and thoughts with us. That's for everybody. 
You can go online and you can send us your ideas, your thoughts on our website. There's a a form there you can fill out. Let us know so that we can share that uh, with our team as we begin to pray over and seek the Lord. That's for everybody in the body of Christ. And the third way that, that we can support during this time is that we can give. I'm asking that we all would pray for the next four weeks. And on May 28th, we have a day of giving towards the land. Now, I want you to know that right now, uh, we've seen about $200,000 that has been designated specifically to the Joshua offering that goes to the purchase of this land. Remember, the land is $2.875 million. I've shared that with you. Um, and, And here's the thing. We also have money in surplus that we can use. But we recognize that there's going to be some expenses to get phase one, to get phase two, and different things up and going with the land. So the more that we pay off of the land purchase, the quicker that we can develop and move forward with the different phases. So I want to ask that you would pray, that you would submit your ideas, and that you would also pray about giving that you would ask the Lord over the next few weeks, as Brother Fred often shared, ask the Lord to tell you what that is and then ask the Lord to either show you where it is for you to give or for the Lord to give that to you for you to be able to give. Now, as Brother Fred always said, don't stress, don't worry, for it's the Lord's work. So church, let us just be reminded, this is the Lord's work. And he owns a cattle on a thousand hills and so I'm just trusting the Lord in all of this. What a joy to see a church 100% vote even when I didn't have the master plan to show in front of you, but just simply the vision. And so I rejoice in what God's doing and we're going to continue to see miracles take place in the days to come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin or continue our time of worship. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. Father, I rejoice that we can come here today and celebrate together that we serve a risen Lord, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but he has clean hands and a pure heart? Father, I pray that as we sing, that that it would be an offering of praise from a pure heart, clean hands. Uh, Father, as we hear and open your word, I pray, Father, that you would, through the Holy Spirit, place this into our hearts, that we would walk in obedience of your word, not simply just hearers of your word only, but be doers of your word. So, Father, today we want your name to be lifted high and to be glorified in this place. It's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. Wasn't that great to see uh, little ones proclaiming the gospel? And that's what we're doing today, remembering who God is and how we live in light of that fact. Let's stand together. Why don't you welcome someone around you? So we say, open up the heavens. Show us your glory today, Lord. Here we go. We waited for this day, we're gathered in your name, we're calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here, oh you're the reason we're seeing. floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. We lift 
your presence in this place, your glory on our face. We're looking to the sky, descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now, and Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. Sing it out. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart and filling every part of our praise. Sing it again. Open up the heavens. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart and filling every part of our praise. Show us Show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Amen. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Make it your prayer today. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above and we say that anything that's good in our lives is God that's what our pastor says all the time so we pray that we would live in the light of his love and not be deceived by what this world is trying to give us amen let's build our lives around something that is going to last forever let's sing together Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus' name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Sing with us. In holy, there is no one like you. None beside you open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and 
very song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. build our entire life around your promises and your love for us. Let us live in the light of your word today. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. Sing it to him. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I seated as we continue in worship today. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy 
scripture together. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I feel afraid and I think I've lost my way, Beside me, nothing will I fear as long as you are near. Please be near me to the end. Oh, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I will not forget your love for me, and yet my heart forever is wandering. And to be my guide, hold me closely to your side. just have the voices. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love hearing y'all sing. Let's testify that our Jesus, our Savior is stronger than anything of this world. Any new idea that people think that they think of, any oppression that comes our way, I'm thinking about the roads of hope and, and everything that they've had to deal with on their mission. But God was there. And we've seen mighty works. I want to see mighty works in this place. Do you? Amen. Let's sing together. There is love. There is love that came for us. Oh, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again, victorious. Faithfulness none can deny. Through the storm and through the fire, there is truth that sets me free Jesus Christ who lives in me you are stronger you are stronger sin is broken you have saved me it is written Christ is risen Jesus you are Lord of No beginning, no beginning and no end. You're my hope 
and my defense you came to seek and save the lost you paid it all upon the cross you are stronger you are stronger sin is broken you have saved me it is risen christ is This morning, so let your name be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. Lift it up. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be Jesus, the fact that you have saved us is the defining moment in our lives. I pray that we never forget that we would not wander to the left or to the right, but we would look and turn our eyes to you today to walk after you because of how wonderful you are, how powerful you are, how strong you are to save today, Lord. We have not the words to praise you, Lord, but we will try our best until that day when we see you face to face. We love you, Lord, and we offer this song to you today. Amen.
what I feel inside. I can't describe your glory divine, but as a token of my love, this is what I'll do. I'll lift my hands and cry. All the wonderful things you've given me, your loving kindness, your tender mercy. My desire to praise you, to praise you, because you. you're worthy of all the honor, and you're worthy of all the praise. I don't know why you love me, why you show mercy you didn't have to suffer and die for me way back on calvary
know, Brother Aaron, y'all could just do that again. When, when y'all finished, out of my mouth came the words of Brother Fred. Woo! Man, that was, that was powerful. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verses 15 through 20. We are in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we have a few more weeks in this conclusion. As I told you last week, Jesus took quite a bit of time into conclusion. So whenever I share in conclusion, just know we still got 45 minutes. But we will be looking at this, and I'll tell you, this is a very difficult passage today for me as a pastor, and I pray also for each of you that you will see the the severity of this passage and even how it has distracted from the truth of the gospel going forth today. As we begin, I want to share with you that there is a game out that a lot of our young people, some of our college kids, some of our younger people in the room love to play called Among Us. How many of y'all played Among Us? Just a few? Oh my goodness, just a few? Maybe it's way past its time. All the college kids are like, David, you're, you're, you're way past your time here. But anyways, in this game Among Us, you have all these people that are running around trying to do tasks, but there is an imposter that is in this game. And one player is the imposter. And the goal of the imposter is to go and take out all the other people in this game. Today we're looking at kind of the same thing that Jesus is speaking about. There's going to be imposters among us and what they're going to be doing is leading people astray. Now what's interesting in this game among us is that the imposter looks just like all the other characters. Looks the same, so you don't know who that person is until the end of the game. In church today, we are given ways to find out who imposters are among us, and Jesus speaks of that. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, it says this, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Let's pray. Father, it's a sobering thought to think that there would be imposters, that there would be false prophets that proclaim false doctrine, false beliefs. But Father, you have warned us of this, and so thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the warning. And now, Father, I pray today that you will give us guidance and direction. Father, I pray that we would walk according to your truths and place this into our lives. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the pages today, that it would go into our hearts and that we would live out in obedience of this truth. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. So today as we look at this passage, I first want to begin with the very first word. 
The very first word here is beware. Beware. Uh, Two things when we think about this idea of beware. First is that Jesus is saying that false prophets exist. And they will continue to exist. Now you can stick your head in the sand and say that maybe Jesus is saying if you run into a false prophet, they may not show up. They may not really be there But the reality here is that Jesus is saying that there will be false prophets. Not only is he saying that here, but he speaks of it in other places in the scripture. Matthew 24, 23 through 26. Jesus is saying, then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe them. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonder as so to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Following with uh, Jesus' warning of us to beware of false prophets, Paul speaks in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30, about false prophets that will come among people. He also gives this warning to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Uh, Peter gives this warning in, in 1 Peter. John gives this warning in 1 John 2. 18 through 23, and chapter 4, 1 through 6. John also speaks in 2 John 7, verses 7 through 11, about these imposters and about these false prophets. And then Jude gives this whole book dedicated. Now, it's only one chapter, but he gives this whole book dedicated to those who are false prophets who come and lead people astray. Church, we see all throughout the New Testament that there are false prophets that are going to come and there are some that are here now and there are some that are going to come later. Jesus is warning us of this. But let me just also tell you, it's not simply the Old Testament. I mean, excuse me, the New Testament. It's also the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were warned of false prophets. Even in Jeremiah's day, there was prophets that were saying, hey, just do this and everything's going to be okay when... Everything wasn't okay. And church, we must see that if Jesus and and the disciples, the apostles, come behind him and uh, reaffirm that they're coming and that they're going to be here, we must recognize that there are false prophets even today. Now, Jesus tells us to be on guard or beware. Be prepared for these false prophets. So what do we do to be prepared? First off, Jesus is not telling us to beware by going out and being a heresy hunter. Now, you may say, David, we need to to speak up when we see heresy. Absolutely you do. But it's not your job to go and say, okay, my job today is I'm going to go watch and find every little thing that I can ever find about somebody that I'm going to post on the internet how bad these people are. But can I tell you, you laugh about that, but there's people who do that. What Jesus is saying here is that beware, and how do we beware? We keep our uh, sober mind, we stay focused, we keep our eyes on Jesus. What it means is, is that we must verify what's being said by God's holy word. Why am I so thankful that you have your Bible with you? Because we must be men and women of this word. If the only time you get the word is on Wednesdays 
and Sundays, then are we truly men and women of the word? We must dive into this. We must fall in love with his word. We must meditate on it day and night so that we can be where? That we can be prepared that when somebody is speaking false doctrine that we know, hey, that's not lining up with God's word. It's my job to proclaim God's truth, but I can't feed that to you every day. We must be men and women of God's word. The scripture tells us to test the spirit. How do we do that? By being men and women of the word. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many what? False prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that can every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now it is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist, the false prophets already in the world. Uh, church, what do we see here? The Holy Spirit will always, always, one, verify, be according to the word of God and testify about Jesus Christ. We'll bring glory to the name of Jesus. We must be men and women of the word that we, that we can determine, that we can test the spirit and know which is from God and which is not. That's the reason why in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, y'all know this scripture, all scripture is inspired, God-breathed, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Church, how can we correct? How can we reprove? How can we know that something is not according to the truth unless we have been in this? We must be, as I've said, men and women of God's word. How do we determine between false prophets and those who are speaking the truth? We know God's word. We're in God's word. We let God's word wash over us. The scripture goes on and says that there will be false prophets. Second thing I want us to see here, first, is we must be aware. We must be prepared, first off, that, that there are going to be false prophets. Second off, that the way that we can determine is by being in God's word and holding them up to the litmus test of God's holy word. But it says here that there will be false prophets. This passage comes directly after the narrow and wide gate. We talked about that last week. Uh, see, these false prophets will, will lead people down the wide path by ultimately saying that the narrow gate isn't really that narrow. They will ultimately say things that, that, that shares, hey, listen, the, the narrow gate isn't that narrow. And in doing so, what they're doing is taking you through the wide gate. These false prophets or those not simply that are just speaking heresy, but those who are blending in. Have you ever followed somebody thinking that they knew where they were going just to find out that they were going the wrong direction the whole time? I know some of the ladies in the room are saying, my husband driving the other day, right? 
At church, it's the same thing. I don't think that all false prophets know what they're doing. Some of them, I think, do, but some of them are very deceived. And they are leading people in the wrong direction with their doctrine. Now, when we look at this idea of wrong direction with their doctrine, the first thing that comes to our mind is heresy. Heresy, right? Somebody gets up here and they begin to say things that are just 100% completely against the Word of God. And the church would basically, hopefully, rise up and say, get out of here, right? If I'm gone one Sunday, somebody comes up here and says that, that Jesus, which, listen, let me tell you, I, I protect this pulpit. I'm not just going to send anybody this, that, that I'm unaware of who they are. But let's just say somebody got up here and said something about Jesus not being the only way. Y'all are going to be like, what? oh, hold up, that's not God's word. We can pick out heresy very quickly. When I was in South Asia, I did not blend in. There was many people who had never even seen a white person before. And as I walked around, I could not just blend in as somebody from South Asia. I could say, hey, I'm from South Asia. But they knew real quickly. It's the same thing here with heresy. We know when somebody speaks direct uh, changes to the word of God. But let me tell you where Jesus is going even further in this, in this uh, interpretation here in Matthew 7. See, it's not simply about heresy. But Jesus is speaking about those who blend in. They put on sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're wolves. Uh, see, these are people that we would not recognize at first for they would look like sheep. I believe that what Jesus is saying is not simply heresy, but what he's saying here is not simply that a false prophet is somebody who speaks heresy, but what he's saying is that a false prophet is someone who doesn't speak and leaves out essential parts of the gospel. Uh, see, this false prophet becomes very dangerous because they sound good, they look the part, but they leave out some of the essentials of the gospel. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 says this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Church, there's false prophets out there, there's false teachers that are leaving out some of the most essential or not the most essential parts of the gospel. Why are they leaving these things out? Well, ultimately because they don't want to offend anyone. Well, I'm here to tell you the scripture is offensive to the world. As Brother Fred always said, what you're going to do, offend them to hell number two? 1 Peter chapter 2, 7-8 through 8 says this, This precious value then is for those who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. That's Jesus. And the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumbled because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. Church, I'm here to tell you that the scripture calls us 
to repentance. The scripture calls us to seek that forgiveness and receive eternal life in Jesus, which means that we must lay our life down and the world that is offensive to them. They want control of their life. And then it's even more offensive when they say, well, so I don't have to earn anything? Are you kidding me? All my life I've learned that I have to earn this. I have to do this. I have to work for something. And you're telling me that all I have to do is receive this free gift. Listen, the cross is offensive to the world. The gospel is offensive to the world. False prophets don't want to offend, and so they leave these things out. Let me share with you just a few things that they leave out. One, false prophets will leave out the holiness and righteousness of God. They'll leave out this idea that we are called to live a life of holiness. They simply focus on God's love. And they say God is love and so therefore he loves us just like we are and that's true. But then they don't go into the idea that God is holy and there's a a demand on our life that when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior that we too are to be holy as he is holy. They, They leave out this idea of righteousness. The scripture tells us That when we have a changed life, born again, we place off the old self, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of Christ, in the likeness of God, which means we are called to be holy. The reason that they leave this out is because people get offended and don't like the idea of having to live a life of holiness. They like to live in their sin. They like to live in their their comforts of all these things and they don't want to lay that down. So if they leave out this idea of holiness and righteousness and that there is a a demand upon our life to be able to to live uh, filled by the Spirit and to walk in holiness as Christ is holy, they say, listen, I I don't want that. Another thing that they leave out is judgment and hell. Well, we don't want to speak about hell. It's going to scare people. They don't want to believe in hell, so they just simply leave it out. And I must say, as a pastor, I don't enjoy preaching on hell. I don't enjoy it. I don't know a pastor that does enjoy preaching on hell. But it's scriptural, and we must teach the full counsel of God's word. And the reason I don't like teaching on hell is simply because I'm so burdened for all of those who are going to hell. Church, whenever I talk about hell and the lake of fire and and those who will have eternal death ultimately, my heart is shattered at those who have not received the blood of Jesus, who have not received repentance uh, through Christ, forgiveness through Christ, and they are in eternal hell. But we've got to speak it. The reason that false prophets don't speak about judgment in hell is because it's a tough subject. And they don't want to offend anybody. Can I tell you, it breaks my heart. I was looking at a, uh, at a Pew Research study from 2001, September of 2001. So it's been a year and a half now. And it says this, only 84% of Protestants believe in hell. Well, I will say 84%, praise the Lord. But what really confuses me is only 93, 92% believe in heaven. Which means that there's 16% of Protestants who call themselves a believer, who calls themselves a Christian, who doesn't even believe in hell. Famous pastors out there have written books that have said hell doesn't exist because, because love wins and, and God is uh, love and he, he cares so much. So, so why would a loving God send people to hell? Let me just tell you, God doesn't send you to hell, you choose hell. 
Because the free gift is offered to every person on this earth if they would just receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You have to trample the cross to get into hell. And it breaks my heart. Oftentimes these false preachers will just leave out the true nature of man. They'll just leave out the fact that man is sinful. They'll leave out the depravity of man. They don't call people to repentance. They don't share with people that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. They don't tell people that we're all dead spiritually because it's offensive to people. Listen, I was sitting in a place one time and I, I finally recognized this false prophet idea uh, uh, where they leave things out. Somebody walked up and said, hey, uh, this was at, a, at an event, and they said, hey, who wants to, to, to go to heaven? And, and people were like, I want to go to heaven. And they said, well, if you want to go to heaven, all you got to do is just pray this. Well, people were praying. They were like, just pray this. Hey, uh, I, I'm in, I'm in, I, how do they say it? I need to be forgiven? They did go through some of those points, but the people had no clue. All they knew was they wanted to go to heaven. There was no understanding of the holiness of God and that our sin uh, has separated us and the fact that Jesus died on the cross taking our sin on him and giving us the righteousness, the rightful standing before God. Many people... Uh, probably 50, 60, 70 people raised their hand. I prayed to receive Christ today. And all they heard was, who wants to go to heaven? And everybody said, I do. Well, let's pray, and now you're going to heaven. At church, it scares me as a pastor that there's so many people who have followed false prophets, not even knowing it. You remember at the beginning, I said how many of you have followed somebody thinking they knew where they were going ultimately to find out they didn't even know where they were going there's many people who are going to hear on that day depart from me but God I, I prayed that prayer but God I raised my hand I heard I wanted to go to heaven and I said pick me he says I never knew you depart from me the last thing I want to look at real quickly well, let me give you the truth of the true nature of man. We know, uh, the scripture tells us all throughout the book of Romans, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me tell you that that sin requires a wage. The wage of sin is death. Church, you must repent of your sins and, and receive the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. There's no other way to the Father. The fourth thing that false prophets will often leave out is the payment of our sin is through the blood of Jesus. I remember Brother Fred saying how so many times he would go to a church and they would, well, it's offensive to sing about the blood. We can't sing about the blood. That's just offensive. Let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the blood of the Lamb, I couldn't worship. We couldn't sing this song that we sang just a minute ago if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, they don't want to speak of this and they avoid the subject, this is false prophets, avoid the subject of the blood of Jesus ultimately to allude that there's many ways to heaven. Ultimately, they're saying it's offensive if we talk about the blood and that's the only way to heaven. Uh, the blood of the Lamb, that's offensive. So we're just, gonna, we're just not going to speak of this. Church, can I show you how effective these false prophets have been? 2001, Pew Research. 
53% of Protestants believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. Let me just say that again, 53%. believe that some non-Christian religions can lead to eternal life. Let me share this one with you. 16% of Protestants believe that only the Christian religion can lead to eternal life. 16% of those who profess that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, only 16 believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Let me tell you, there is a lot of people who have been deceived by false prophets. And church, I'm just going to tell you, John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, except through me. You say, David, that's narrow-minded. Hey, that's God's words. You take it up with God. And I'll tell you, as I've said before, if there's another way to heaven, then why would God put his only son on the cross, beaten by men, despised by men, spat on, beaten, put on a cross to die if there was any other way? I'm here to tell you that there are false teachers out there that are hiding themselves in sheep's clothing. They're wolves inside, and they're simply leaving out the truth. And people follow. Why? Because their human flesh loves not having to be accountable for their sin. Their human fleshly desire says, man, this is great. I'm going to get into heaven, and I don't have to change anything. Church, I'm here to tell you that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So the scripture tells us that we can, we can recognize through their doctrine, but we can also recognize through their life. Church, it says this in verse 15, starting with verse 16. I'm sorry, you will know them by their fruits. Isn't it interesting in verse 16 and verse 20, it says, you will know them by their fruit. And then verse 20, you will know them by their fruit. There is book ends, Right? They're holding it together. How will we know them? We'll know them by their doctrine, but their doctrine will ultimately be shown through their life. Now, false teachers will will speak of adding things to your life rather than becoming a new creature. False teachers will be about adding things to your life rather than being a new creature. I love what Kent Hughes says in his commentary. A wolf can wear sheep's clothing, but a wolf cannot grow a sheep's coat. Let me just say that again. A wolf can wear sheep's clothing, but he cannot grow a sheep's coat. Time will reveal the true nature of a false prophet. Now, I want to be very clear. That doesn't mean that if a teacher or preacher walks in sin, that they're a wolf. For all of us will step over the boundaries of the narrow path in life. But you will see the true heart of a pastor in their response to sin. A true born-again believer 
will repent and turn to Jesus and continue in their growth and their walk with the Lord. They'll seek forgiveness for those that they have hurt. A wolf in sheep's clothing may be sorry that they got caught, but their response to sin will be fake or half-hearted apology and continue in their sin. A wolf in sheep's clothing Listen, they may, have, they may be sorry in the moment, a worldly sorrow, because they were caught. But the reality of it is, is that one who's not truly born again is not going to have a true repentance of that sin. They're going to continue in it. A pastor that's found in sin that continues to practice that sin, that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. A pastor who says, hey, I'm going to proclaim all of this, but I'm not going to live it out myself. I'm going to speak about reconciliation. I'm going to speak about these things, but, but not for me. I'm going to live in my sin. Church, that's why it says you will know them by their what? Fruit. So we look now at the good and bad fruit. There's two trees in this illustration. God, uh, God speaks of a good tree and a bad tree. Now, what's interesting is he doesn't say you'll know them by the tree. He says you'll know them by the fruit, which means the trees look similar. A sheep's clothing looks similar to a sheep. But I believe that, that the fruit that comes forth from the bad tree, according to the scripture, will be bad fruit. You know, we can hide things for a short time, but over time, the truth of who we really are, at the core of who we are, will be shown. You know, I joked with you just a minute ago that I couldn't, if I w- went to South Asia, I couldn't tell people, hey, I'm from South Asia. I stood out, just like heresy, right? If I were to say up here something that was against God's word, 100%, the opposite of it, y'all would all hear that. But when I went to South Asia, there was many people who thought that I was an NBA player. <laughs> because I was tall. Now, let me just say, I could have probably played that off a little bit. You want my signature? You know? But if they would have put me on a basketball court, the actions, those who have played basketball with me know, the actions would show them very quickly that I was not an NBA player. At church, what we have to recognize here is that the actions will come forth and they will show what's truly in the heart. So when we look at this, we go back to John 15, 5. The only way that a good fruit comes from a tree is if that tree has been changed. See, by nature, we're sinful, dead spiritually. We cannot produce fruit in our own power. John 15, 5, one of my favorite verses, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to know what comes forth from your life apart from God being transformed, the deeds of the flesh, which is in Galatians 5. The only way That good fruit can come forth from someone's life as if they've been born again, if they're filled by the Holy Spirit and they're abiding and dwelling in Christ. What is that fruit? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The only way for this to come forth from your life is by abiding and dwelling in Christ, by being transformed. It's no longer the old, it's the new self. 
The old is gone. The new has come. You know, I was walking in a school not too long ago, and as I was walking in this elementary school, I saw something up on the, the wall, and it said, this month we're going to practice patience. I was like, interesting. Because the problem with this is that unless that school gets to the heart of the problem, their practicing will never work. And see, for us to have true patience, we have to come, it comes forth from a life that's been transformed, that has a heart change called salvation. And see, we will see in life false prophets trying to put these things on them, but ultimately we're going to see over time the true fruit that comes forth from their life. Uh, church, let me ask you this question. Is there good fruit coming forth from your life? Because when there's good fruit coming forth from your life, it will be in direct conflict with false prophets. Brother Fred always used the example about somebody that is trying to figure out where, what, which is fake money, right? And how do they, how do they uh, study? How do they learn? They go to the original, to the to the truth, and they study everything about the truth, the truth of money. They look at that, that real $100 bill, and they study everything about it, so that way they know what that looks like, so then when they see anything that is uh, deviated from it, they know, hey, that's counterfeit. Church, when we live a life abiding in Christ, bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life, we are a litmus test in some sense to those who are false prophets that are bearing bad fruit. But then the scripture goes on and says, beware, there's false prophets. You'll notice them through the doctrine. You'll notice them through their life. But it goes on and says there's a final destination for those who are false prophets. It says this in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Is this not exactly what John the Baptist was preaching John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. So he began saying to the crowds who were going to, be or going to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, so every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist, preparing the way for the Lord, he says, You say you're born again. You say that you've been transformed, but you don't have fruit of that repentance. What is the fruit of repentance? It's the good fruit because when you have repented, when you've turned of your, your sins and, and, and sought God for forgiveness, the good fruit comes forth from your life by abiding and dwelling in Christ. But then he goes on and says, the axe is already laid next to the tree that's bearing bad fruit. Why? Because those trees will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You remember last week we talked about there's two paths. There's a wide path and a narrow path. They both ultimately lead to the throne of God, to the judgment seat. But after that, there's a final destination. Those who walk through the wide path, those who followed the world, trampled over the cross, did their own thing, followed false prophets, in that day of judgment, he will say, depart from me. And that final destination is called the lake of fire. It's hell. 
For those who went through the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ, he says, I am the gate, I'm the door. Those who go through the narrow gate, who has the blood of the Lamb applied to them, God will look at them and not see their sin, but they will, he will see the righteousness of his son, Jesus. And he'll say, come in, my good and faithful servant. Let me read to you what Revelation says about this day. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the, the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Church, I'm here to tell you, there's false prophets out there that won't speak of this, but I'm here to tell you that those who do not enter through the narrow gate, their names will not be written in the Lamb's book of life, and therefore their final destination will be in the lake of fire. Church, the question is, are we going to be men and women of God's word to be able to see those who are among us, and when I say among us, I'm talking about in this world, who are false prophets. Are we going to bear good fruit so that we can be a litmus test to show the difference between one who is born again and one who simply says, well, I'm a Christian. Church, the final destination for those who have followed false prophets is hell. But I want you to know that the next chapter speaks of heaven. The next chapter speaks of those whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life because they had entered through the narrow path. They had not followed the false teachings and the false prophets. It says that there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. Church, I told you last week, keep your focus on the finish line because it will be worth it all. You know, as we... As we come to a close of this message, I want you to hear that every one of us must be men and women of this word. We must be able to discern those who simply leave out portions of the gospel to not offend others. You're going to hear from people who have followed false prophets and you need to be able to speak the truth of God's word into their life. Church, we must be in his word discerning between false prophets. The number two, my prayer is that you hear that when good fruit comes forth from those who are truly born again. And the last thing is that the good fruit that comes forth from our life of being born again truly will show the difference between the good fruit and the bad fruit of the false prophets. Church, there are people out there all over the world proclaiming a cheap grace, 
There's people out there all over the world that are leading droves of people to hell all because they don't want to offend anyone. But in reality, they're lost and they need Jesus. Uh, See, being offensive is is not about the cultural things that are happening in this world and, and speaking out about all this stuff. It's simply speaking the gospel. When you proclaim the gospel... You are proclaiming that which is offensive to the world. But it's the only thing that will change their lives. Church, I pray that we'll be men and women of the word. I pray that we will bear good fruit. I pray that we will recognize and see false prophets. Even those who simply hide and not speak the full gospel.